any fear that we have in our life, it's that we get, we need to face it head on. We need to go what, and when I say facing a fear head on, it usually means having to sit down in a quiet space and ask a simple question going, what do I believe about this fear I have right now? What's, what's my belief about it? Where did this belief come from? And once you can become aware of your the fear, then you can usually choose to overcome it. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am pleased to be joined today by Zach Mathers. He's the host of Braving the Journey. It's a podcast about his life as a father, husband, and his experience of living his life as a recovered alcoholic. He joins us today from his beautiful home in Hawaii. How you doing, Zach? Hey, I'm doing good, Damon. Thank you. I, I do. I just want to say thanks for thanks for having me on the show. Um, I love what you're doing. So, well, yeah, thank you awesome. so much. I'm 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 really glad that you're here today. You know, for the past month, I've really wanted to do a show about reinvention, mm. about reinventing yourself in right. in in recovering and sobriety. And when I heard your story, I was really inspired, and I wanted to have you on to do an episode all about reinventing yourself. And, you know, I'd like to, you know, your life, Zach, is, was nothing like it is now. Right. So I, I'd love you, you know, to maybe start this off by taking us back a few years to tell us, you know, what was it like? And yeah. how did you get to this point that you're at now? No, absolutely. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, for me to back it up, I have to back up almost um, probably 13 years. So for, for me, 13 years ago, I, I had... Uh, I had life going for me. I mean, I felt like I was kind of like I was in the process. I had just recently started a nonprofit. I was just anything I put my mind to was kind of working and happening at the time. Newly married, been married for three years, got married really young. And anyways, I I sabotaged it all um, by having an affair. And it was one of those things I couldn't I couldn't deal with, couldn't live with it, came out with it, told my wife, um, dealt with the consequences of it. We were separated for a long period of time. But in that, that's where, that's where for me, my drinking began because I had so much shame around this idea uh, of what I did. It was one of those things I was like, I'll never do that. And I did it. So then all of a sudden, um, so then I started self-medicating with alcohol. It was just my, my became my go-to of being able to just check out from my shame. And you already have like, uh, were you already having problems with drinking before the affair happened? How, how did that all go down? Uh, I, I, you know, <clears throat> I mean, alcoholism ran in my family, not, not my dad, my, but my, my grand, both my grandpas. Um, I definitely, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't over drink every time I could still, at that point I was able to like, I could go out to the bars and, with some friends and have a couple of drinks and walk away. Um, but there was always a little bit of me that wanted more. That was just kind of like something inside of me that just would, You'd put a little bit in my system and it would just constantly go, you want more of this. Um, so I had a, I had a, you know, I, I was aware of it, but it really kind of took off for me at the point when, um, and I was a closet drinker, so I didn't go out and drink with people. I would sit in my car and it would start with like a six pack and then it became a 12 pack and then it became an 18 pack. And then, and I would just buy, I could pound down 18 beers in like an hour and then drive home. And that became, that became my, someone of my norm. And in that I was 
hiding all of it from everybody. You know, so I was living this life of still like acting like everything was fine and together. And um, I, I wasn't one of the, I didn't lose everything. You know, I still had my, my job. I still had my family. I still had, uh, you know, a house um, during all this process. I would have, I would have moments of sobriety, like periods of, um, you know, six months, you know, and those were usually just white knuckling it. I would just kind of white knuckle my way through it. And then, but at some point I'd be like stress of life or whatever came up and I would choose to be like, all right, I'm going to, you know, Mm -hmm. sabotage a drink. My wife and I would, you know, go backwards in many steps because she'd be like, do I trust this man? Can I trust this man? Um, So yeah, we moved to Hawaii seven years ago. Uh, We moved to Maui. Um, And at that point, you know, I hadn't been drinking and it had been a while. And then I moved here and then first little bit of time here it's paradise you know you're like oh i'm living in hawaii it's amazing nothing's wrong i'm doing great and then it slowly started trickling back in and i had no support i had no one that knew what was going on and so i would hide and isolate and drink and um that became my pattern that was it you know and so on the outside my life actually looked pretty decent um i bought it bought a house here um you know, all these things that are, you would go, oh, he's doing, this guy's doing well. He's doing great. And like inside, I was torn up. I was just living a lie, full of shame, full of guilt. Um, didn't believe in myself at all. I mean, I just had no, like if I promised myself I wouldn't drink the next day, it was one of those promises. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to keep it, you know? And so I kind of, I just had, I, that was, I felt like a shell of a man in trying to exist and still do some good in the world. And it was just, it was a wreck, you know? And it was, so for that was, that was my, that was my life, my life in the past. And, um, it wasn't until for me, I just said, okay, like I'm going to take this serious and figure out what recovery looks like for me. Now, what everyone else says it needs to be, um, I'm going to take all the different parts of it and go, what, what is it that can, that can actually work in my life? And how do I start shifting to get that direction? But I, I don't know for you. I mean, like I love, I love this, like reinventing yourself process because I think so many times in, when we talk about sobriety or recovery, we just think about that's it. Like get sober. Yeah. And, exactly. and I'm like, no, like if I just were sober and still living internally as miserable as I was full of shame and all this stuff. And if that was existent, like I wouldn't want to be a sober guy having to go through that. You know, Zach, it's funny because my, my my personal experience has been, and my feeling is, is that you have to constantly always reinvent yourself mm-hmm. to, to really, I think, have a have a great recovered life, right? Because, uh, you know, I think there's there's kind of two parts of this. You know, a lot of times in early sobriety, there's always this huge reinvention typically because you got to let go of a past life, right? Right. Or a way in which you did things that might be friends that might be a geographic or whatever. And then, you know, as you go through sobriety, um, I think you still have to do the exact same thing. I think you have to kind of reinvent yourself, relook at your life. And I think when that stops, there's problems, right? There always yeah. needs to be a challenge in my in, in in my life. It doesn't have to be a negative challenge. It could be something that I want to do, something that I want to right. achieve, experience, maybe some sort of service that I'd like to do, right? Um, I you know, and I, I love what you're talking about with shame because mm. not a lot of guys in recovery talk about shame. 
Right. And I know a lot of the 12 step programs when those were, you know, created, they talked a lot about fear. Right. Because men didn't really talk about shame. How 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 did shame put you in the position not being able to deal with the shame? How did that put you in a position that was not advantageous to you? That that actually hurt you hmm. in 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 your process of getting and staying sober? Well, I think so so for me what what shame would do it, it would it would pretty much paralyze me um meaning that i would have a little progress forward and have a relapse and then be overwhelmed with shame again for feeling like a failure um but what it, it was just a cycle and when i would have these feelings the only thing i <clears throat> the only thing i knew how to do to get out of it was to drink to to just numb the feeling um and so yeah, shame's a weird one because it can go so unnoticed for people. Like it took me having to learn how to begin to be vulnerable with myself to even be aware of the shame, you know, because I didn't, you, you can't pinpoint the emotion until you can really sit down and be like, I, I don't know what it is I feel in these times, but like, I have to sit and like be able to ask the question of myself, like, what is it I'm feeling and why? And most of the time we have a tendency in life to just not slow down enough to create the space to ask the question of how we're feeling and be vulnerable enough with ourselves to be aware of the shame. Um, so we just keep doing the cycle we're in it, we're stuck in it unless we so how, how'd you do that? How'd you finally, because for you, what it seems like is that you would let like most alcoholics, right? Yeah. When, when drinking and using it is, it's honestly, we, we can recreate our lives, reinvent our lives very easily out of sheer panic. Right. It's yeah. like, I got to do something. I got to get a job. I've got to make this right. I've got it right. I've got to do a geographic, w whatever that is. Um, for you, obviously your story, you had to kind of deal with that shame. Yep. So you weren't constantly reinventing your life and then it just comes crashing down again, which yep. is what most people that have addiction issues do. They're great at reinventing their life. They just can't have any forward momentum with that. It just all crashes down. How did you finally reach a point where you said, you know what? I have to deal with the shame because it's a, it's stopping me from having my best recovered life. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I look at shame in a couple of ways. Um, I don't think it's a one-time event that I deal with and it's over. I, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a reoccurring, there's layers to it like an onion, you know, and some are deeper and bigger than others and some aren't, but I had, quite a few years ago, I went on a retreat with a group of guys to the Oregon coast. And on that retreat, all we did is we, we really took turns devoting like a half a day would be towards me. And the guys would just let me share my story, share what everything going on in my life. And then they would begin to ask questions. Um, and we would begin to process and question it out. And in that, when I walked into that, that kind of retreat, I would have said, I, I was completely at I had dealt with my shame. I cleared it up. It was gone. As soon as I got into that room with those guys and started sharing my story, there was still this chunk of shame that was, I was holding on to. And I, I mean, I, I began to cry about it and just bring it all to the table. And I was, so I think part of the, your answer to that is I didn't do it alone. Mm -hmm. Meaning I brought others into, into it and brought people into my feelings where I'm at and the right people. And I let them kind of help guide me, I think is one, one piece, but the other piece is, um, we, I, I think as 
alcoholics or addicts, we have a tendency to want to, our identity gets wrapped up in that. So my identity became this guy that had an affair, the guy that is an alcoholic. And so I believe that about myself, that that's, that was me at the core of who I am. I'm a failure. Um, I'm a screw up and it's never going to work out. So like the, when I believe that I lived it. And so for me, I had to begin to shift and go, I need to rediscover my identity. Like, who am I? Like, what do I say about myself? What, what is, you know, what in, what in the core of me is my me. Mm-hmm. And I was able to come up with like, for me, I felt like there was this pressing word that like, I'm a cultural architect. Like that is the design of who I am that I like to help shift the culture around me, whatever that looks like, you know? And so if I can be involved in changing the culture in a better positive way, I come alive. I do. And so, so I could, so then I was able to start taking the shift of my identity is not the guy that had the fair, the guy that's an alcoholic. My identity is a culture architect that gets to help change culture. So now I can live into that identity and let the other shame and guilt and all those pieces start slowly getting smaller as my identity grows bigger. You know, so it was a shift of identity basically. Yeah. We talk a lot about on the recovered life show, uh, consciousness, right. Mm-hmm. And self being self-aware and energy. And, you know, we know that just metaphysically that shame is the lowest energy that you can have. Right. And yep. so as you start to let go of that and that starts to break up, you can move through the different energy levels and then more things are going to happen when you are able to raise your consciousness a bit and to be able to see other possibilities of who you are and who yep. you can be in the world. Things change. Yeah. Um, you know, we had a, a conversation uh, a couple weeks ago on a call that was great. And you were about ready to go surfing. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really exciting. That's something <laughs> that you put into your life, things yeah. that bring you joy. And we, you know, we talked about how sad it is that a lot of people that are in recovery are just stuck, right? We call it, they're stuck in a church basement Really, yeah. is, is kind of the term I use, right? And they're sober as a church mouse, but they're just afraid they, they just don't, you know, they're afraid that if they do anything to their life or reinvent their life in any way that they're going to, they're going to go out and use and they're not going to be sober. And they're afraid that if they don't do it, they're going to be a failure. Right. So yep. they're stuck. What advice could you give them? Because you've really reinvented your life. What are the steps that someone should take if they're listening to this right now? And they feel it's like, you know what? I need to reinvent my life in sobriety, hmm. but how do I do it? Well, I, th- I think, you know, if you're new in sobriety, um, you know, at the beginning, I think, I think there's value in saying like, I'm going to avoid the parties and the bar scenes and those things like, you know, you can get to a space though, where you can step back into those in a really healthy, different space, but it takes some time to get there. Um, but when, when you're talking about, you know, the way I look at it is add up all the hours that you spent drinking right? Like how many hours did I spend sitting in my car, putting back 12 packs and 24 packs? And then I look at that amount of time. And and what I can see now is go look at the amount of freedom of time I created in my life to get to choose to do something with. And the way I always view time is, is if I don't choose what I'm going to do with my time, my time's going to control me. And so a lot of times people like you're talking about the people that just like, I'm sober, but I'm miserable as could be with my life haven't learned to take control of their time. 
And so like time blocking or time management or even setting aside, like I'm going to create space and time to do something that brings joy to me. And if you don't even know what that thing is that brings joy to you, try things. And if it does, if you don't like it, then don't do it again. It's really simple. You know, like I love to surf. I live in Maui and it brings joy to me. And so I have to create it in my schedule. Like on a Sunday night, I sit down and I map out my whole schedule for the week. You know, and I and I do that because if I don't, the week will go by and time will control me. And all of a sudden I'll be like, I didn't create any space for what I love to do. Yeah. You know, and so and that's just how that's how the world works. Like, like that's how our money works. If we choose not to be aware of what we're doing with our money, all of a sudden our money's gone and we go, where do we spend it? But I can choose to put it where I want to. And it's the same with our time. And so that's kind of what I tell people is like, you got to really just break it down. Um, you know, and goals are a huge thing, but goals only work if we create a system to implement them. And, you know, so like my family, what we do is we do, we do a little five day retreat at the beginning of every year. So January comes around, I take my three kids, my wife and I, and we, we shut down all technology, no cell phones with us. We just leave them. And, and we go somewhere for five days and we have a kind of a packet that we work through. And the packet, what it does is it helps us reflect back on the year before. So we looked like this year, we looked back at 2020 and we looked at like the successes, the failures, the hurts, the everything, the good and the bad. And so, because you learn a lot from both. And then we look at the year ahead and go, what do we want to do as a family? Who do we want to be individually? Who do we want to be corporately together? And what are like, what are the words that we have for ourselves this year? What are the goals that we have for ourselves? And we put that all out there and that's kind of the tangible, like there's the big picture for the year. And then we all know about it with each other. So then we get to break it down and go, how do we make this happen? You know, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, like what things do I need to do? If that's my goal, you know, for the year, what, what do I have to do today to see that begin to happen? Yeah, you. I, I love your approach about you use your time almost as currency, right? Yeah. So you know, you have X amount to spend, and you're making, you know, you're making different decisions. I, you know, what would you tell somebody too that's like, you know, they're they're fearful, and they also limit what's possible for them. You know, I think in twelve step groups, I talk about magical thinking, right? Yeah. And this happens. They're like, well, at least I'm sober. But you know, when you talk with people who've been sober for decades just being sober isn't enough. No. Right. It's just, it's not enough. I, you know, it's great that you're sober, but you also want to be able to live a life as well. Right. right. Like, so, yeah. um, it's like, why stop there? Like, why, why, why like, stop there? Exactly. Yeah. You, you were able to do that. that. There's a difference between magical thinking. And I think also trying to play full out, right? Like playing full out is not magical thinking. All right. No, I think, um, I think the fear, you know, and I, I, you hear this saying and, uh, kind of recovery that, that fear is either, you know, forget everything, everything and, um, run or face or face everything and recover, you know? And so I think any fear that we have in our life, it's that we get, we need to face it head on. We need to go what, and when I say facing a fear head on, it usually means having to sit down in a quiet space. And ask the simple question going, what do I believe about this fear I have right now? What's, what's my belief about it? Where did this belief come from? And once you can become aware of your the fear, then you can usually choose to overcome it. Um, but you can't unless you're aware of it. You know, if, if I'm unaware of why I'm 
paralyzed to move forward beyond the fact I got sober. Like, you know, it probably comes down to a very simple stimming belief of like, I don't believe I'm worthy to have this in my life. Or I, I had this traumatic moment in my childhood that I'm unaware of. And, and, but because of that, I believe I'm unlovable. So I'm never going to actually go out and try to find somebody to love, you know, because I, be, I have a belief. And so our, our core beliefs that we may not even fully sub like they're subconscious in our inside of who we are. We have to be able to learn to recognize, see the consciousness of them and then challenge them. You know, like for me personally, one of my beliefs that I held on to was that I screwed up too much. that I never could be used again to impact the world. That was a belief of mine. That was like, I, I, I failed. I, I messed up. So my voice, I have no more voice to speak to the world. And I believe that for years, I believed that lie. And I had to stop and go, is that, is that true? And once I discovered that, no, like this lie that I've told myself for so long that has held me paralyzed is not true. So what is true? And then I get to speak the truth. The truth is, is that I am unique, just like you are unique. And every single one of us is unique and the world needs me to speak by my uniqueness to the world, because I'm going to bring something that nobody else will. And when I believe that, that steps into this different world of like, yeah, I could do it. So, so my challenge for people is, yeah, take time to sit and go, what beliefs do I have about myself that are holding me to believe all I could do is get sober and do nothing else? Zach, this has been a really great episode. Where can they find out more about you and your podcast? Yeah. So everything's braving the journey. So bravingthejourney.com is the website. You can go there. You can find out more uh, about recovery coaching and that's kind of where I send people that, and you can get to the podcast there, but podcast is everywhere, you know, Apple podcast, Spotify, braving the journey, uh, braving the journey on Instagram. Those are kind of my main areas where you're going to be able to find me and follow me. So yeah. Zach, thanks so much for coming on the recovered life show. Hey, I, it was a pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.